We welcome you to this week's edition of View from the Press Box, as Brad Hallier and I discuss sports right here in central Kansas. As I mentioned, I am Scott Hogan, and Brad Hallier joins me, and we're going to jump right into our high school schedule this week on the Ad Astra Sports Network, as we'll talk eight-man first, as our 94.7 KSKU game finds 1-0 Central Plains, they are visiting 0-3 Chase, Central Plains, 46-0 winners at Otis Bison, finally getting their season underway this last Friday night. And Chase, a long night at Sylvan Lucas, 52-0 they lost. So it's really weird to be talking about Central Plains as a Division II eight-man team, Brad, but that's exactly what they are, and they're off to a good start. And Chase is struggling, and boy, do you see Chase being able to make a game of this one. You know, it actually wasn't that long ago when Chase actually had a pretty decent team. They've always struggled with numbers, I think. And you know, if I were a betting man, uh, I would say that it's probably just a matter of time, maybe even as soon as next year or at least maybe the next cycle where we'll see uh, Chase possibly uh, drop down to six-man football. Uh, but it, uh, I'm looking at my uh, computer here. In 2016, Chase was 6-5 and five and won a playoff game even, beating Ingles 92-44. to 44. So it really wasn't that long ago when Chase ha- uh, had a very – a very good team under former coach John Wellman, who's now at Nickerson. Yes. But, gosh, I mean, I just look at those first three games. They they got smashed by Joaquini, Victoria, Sylvan Lucas. Uh, this isn't, you know, your central plays teams of the last couple of years. But, you know, they still had a nice win over Otis Bison to start the season. And, you know, with a great coach like Chris Steiner, I just – I like central plays in this one and probably to win quite comfortably. You go back a few years earlier that to John Wellman's teams. Um, I did a couple of their playoff games when they went into the playoffs nine and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they always got really bad draws. They had to play a, a really tough district on the other side, and they weren't able to um, advance at that point. But yeah, they've had some good teams. This doesn't appear that this year is going to be one of those. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm like you. I think. Uh, Central Plains heavily favored. I think they'll they'll win. And if, if this one goes four quarters, that would probably uh, surprise me as well. Um, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, boy, if I I remember correctly, I actually did some interviews with Chase about the possibility of dropping to six man football. And I want to say that their junior high program at one point was playing six man flag football because they just didn't have the bodies. And so in order to still play football, they did some kind of informal flag football uh, games or something like that. It was kind of bizarre, but um, they definitely uh, – it's one of those programs that, you know, has always struggled with numbers. Probably even when they were good, they probably struggled to get probably more than a dozen kids. But They did, yeah. Uh, yeah, but the good thing is – and we'll, I think we're going to get into another six-man game. But the good thing is, you know, six-man football starting to become a domino effect, and I think we're going to see more and more communities do that. Yeah, Chase has played an occasional six-man game over the um, last few years when another school was uh, in their situation of really low numbers, and they requested it, and Chase um, Chase would drop down, but still as of this point, uh, still competing in eight-man Division Two. Well, let's go to that six-man game that we'll have on the Ad Astra stream uh, this Friday night. It'll be one and two Burton Chargers at three and zero Cunningham. This last weekend, after Burton broke that losing streak, they went to Moscow and played a, a Moscow team that is really really good, and lost fifty five to seven. 
And Cunningham, on the other hand, went to Fowler and won by a final score of 40 to 6. So Cunningham, a really good program. Burton was flying high after that first win and kind of got hammered last weekend. That looks like a, another tough road trip for Burton this weekend. Yeah, and you mentioned Moscow. They're actually the defending six-man state champions, so no, certainly nothing to hang their head about for Burton losing that one. And I uh, did some research into Cunningham here. They actually didn't have a football program at Cunningham from 2015 to 2018. I believe they briefly co-opted with Fairfield. They did. And that didn't, and that didn't go over very well. I think there were some disagreements over hosting games and all that fun stuff that probably goes into with co-ops. Uh, and then I think they went over to Cunningham, or not, uh, I'm sorry, to, to Kingman briefly. And now with six-man football uh, you know, making strides throughout uh, rural Kansas, they brought it back last year. They went one and seven. But how about you know what they're doing now off to a 3-0 start? And just wonderful start for them. Now, admittedly, I don't think their schedule has been quite that difficult. I think uh, looking at their three opponents, I think only Rolla has a win so far. And Burton, meanwhile, has have, you know they played Moscow. They played a very good Ashland team also. And they actually have a common opponent. Uh, both teams have beaten Fowler by similar margins. So this one, I think this one could actually be, be uh, pretty competitive, I think, Scott. Yeah, I did. Uh, that year you alluded to when Cunningham co-opted with Fairfield, they were the Griffins. I can't remember right. uh, what they called the, the, the co-op team name, but they were the Griffins that year. And um, pretty much was common knowledge when I did that game that that was going to be a very short-lived experiment. It, like you said, I, I didn't, I didn't get into the reasons why with the folks there at Fairfield and um, it didn't last very long, but obviously um, they found a, found a home here at six man and off to a three and start, but it could, like you said, it could be a, a, a sneaky close game. You're kind of, you're taking the, the Fowler game into consideration there. Both of them beat Fowler by similar margins. So uh, Burton, uh, maybe, maybe get that second win. That'd be something if they could pull that off. Yeah. And it's uh uh, you know, Coach C.T. Young, the longtime Pretty Prairie coach, I, I'd like to know what his thoughts are on coaching six-man football because he's, <laughs> he's coached eight-man for so long. And I've heard that coaches who make the adjustment from 11-man to eight-man or vice versa, eight-man to 11-man, really say there's, that it's still football. I mean, you know, the, the schemes are a little bit different because of the fewer players on the field. But I've heard that the, the adjustment from eight-man to 11-man or vice versa isn't bad. I would wager that the adjustment from eight-man to six-man has got to be monumental. Well, I would, I, I guess I would call six man the arena football of, sure. of, of high school football because, yeah, was, um, I know when my, my mom was in school um, years back when Alden still had a high school over there by Sterling, they played six man football. So um, it's something I, I grew up hearing stories about, still have not seen a game. That is something that I, I certainly want to do is go see a six man game and and when the center can hike the ball and go out and catch a pass, I, I kind of <laughs> love it. I love the idea of it. So uh, we'll see how Burton does here on Friday night. Let's get into our first state-ranked team we'll be covering on Friday night. That'll be on 95-9 as Bueller checks in at number 10 this week in Class 4A. They're 1-1. One and one. They had a hard-fought 21-9 victory at home over Winfield. They're going to a 2-1 and one El Dorado team as they beat Labette County 30-14 to 14 this past week. So that's a, that's an interesting matchup, a traditionally one that, again, Bueller has dominated. But this year, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher than past years. 
Yeah, El Dorado off to a two and one start, as you made mention to, and with their loss being twenty five to twenty to Independence, El Dorado is probably thinking that they should be three and zero right now. Now, admittedly, their schedule hasn't been tough, you know, with Independence, Augusta, and Labette County, but still, you know, back to back wins going into this game, I'm sure they feel pretty good about this. And you know, Bueller did struggle a little bit last week against Winfield, twenty one to nine. Sam Elliott, the workhorse, uh, carried the ball something like thirty four times for. Just uh, uh, one yard shy of 200 yards, and uh, they really did a good job on the ground moving the ball. Uh, one thing I would like to see Bueller uh, maybe have a little bit more is a little, little bit more diversity in their offense. Uh, they're trying to get the passing game on track. I have no doubt that quarterback Bradley Neal is going to figure some things out. I think I think he struggled a little bit last week, but you know he's the, he's the son of a coach. He, he he's a sponge out there. He's played football his whole life. I have no doubt that he's going to figure some things out. And listening to Coach Warner on his uh, show uh, the other night with Aaron down at that Astro radio. He was just saying that's maybe just some footwork things that Bradley needs to sort out. And I have no doubt that he's going to. And I think that's one thing I, I would really like to see Bueller have this week is a little bit more uh, diversity in their offense. Well, Bueller always, the bar set very high there. They've had so much success that, you know, they're not just thinking about beating El Dorado. They're thinking on down the line when they, when they run into McPherson and those teams that, yeah, we can't just try to overpower um, some of those opponents, we have to be able to to throw the football a little bit, and and certainly you want to you want to see some improvement in that area earlier before they dive into district play, which will be right around the corner. So, um, wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, as kind of you alluded to, if if maybe they try to air it out a little bit more against El Dorado. Yeah, with uh, you know, I'm looking at Beeler's schedule right now, and really this this is the kind of game where I think it could really maybe have a you know, provide a, a spark for them going into the rest of the way. It's not an overly difficult schedule the rest of the way. It's, you know, McPherson aside, uh, you know, there's Augusta, there's Wellington, there's Circle before the playoffs start. And, um, yeah, I, I think if you're looking at this, if you're Bueller, if you can really use this El Dorado game to, to, to have a strong, convincing performance, it really could be the springboard to a strong finish to the regular season where they, uh, they'll only get seven games at maximum in. But, you know, a, a, a six and one, maybe a five and two record going into the playoffs, which would be, I think, uh, tremendous. They would probably get a couple of home games and they would be set up well to maybe make a good November run. Yeah. Cause if, if memory serves me correctly, six, five and four, a, they seed the East and the West. So, correct. uh, you know, Bueller, that's really important. And, you know, that, that record, that's all they're going to look at, you know, as right. far as the seeding. So, you know, you, you don't want to drop one early and then, you know, struggle to get back to that, you know, five and two, four and three record and drop down to where you at most host one game and then you're on the road. So um, pretty important matchup uh, this Friday against El Dorado and over that's of course on 95-9 over on 100.3. We hope finally the Lions Lions <laughs> will get their season underway. And unfortunately for Lions, they're going to face the number five ranked team in class uh 2A, I believe, is Trinity. Yes. Uh, yes. They are 3-0. and They come in at number five this week. They just drilled Bell playing 35 to nothing on the road on Friday. And I got to talk to Scott Miller a little bit there, play-by-play voice, um, the day of that game. And he indicated that this, is, this was a team last year that may have had the most injuries of any team in the state. And these were, these were younger kids last year. Um, they're back. They're healthy. Uh, they're they're solid on both sides of the football, and it has definitely showed early on this year, three and zero. And we 
we've mentioned their schedule more than once. They have Hillsboro looming in the final regular season game of the season. Hillsboro all of a sudden struggling. They're one and two. So uh, a lot of us think Trinity could be seven and zero, possibly eight and zero going into the playoffs and it starts with winning at lions this friday yeah it's a district game also yes. and boy how, how often do you see uh three and oh versus zero and zero in, in in pretty much any kind of sport i mean if i if i saw a three and oh team play an oh and oh team in basketball season i'd be like what's going on here but kind of an interesting matchup because they're you know for, for trinity because there's nothing to go on there's no film really to go on they don't know what to expect from lions lions has three weeks worth of film to study on trinity and uh it's, it's a road trip and it's going to be interesting to see how uh this one shapes out i mean i really like the way trinity's played though scott uh, they had a kind of sluggish start last week too. i think it was scoreless at the end of the first quarter lucas hamke quarterback is is back from injury scored four touchdowns on short touch on, on short runs walt gray's doing a great job running the ball the defense is really locking down and, you know, we talked last week about the possibility of going 7-0 and into that big game with Hillsboro. Uh, it is kind of a sneaky, tough district, though. I look at teams like Marion and Sterling and Haven before the Hillsboro game, and I don't think you can really chalk up any of those as, as layups because I think all of them are good enough to, to compete with Trinity. Uh, I would expect Trinity to win them all, but uh, I, I don't think that's a, that the road to the playoffs is going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination it's, it's a sneaky tough district but i do like the way trinity's playing right now and i really think that uh you know we talked about how a seven and zero starts on the table i mean heck i'd even go one step further i think uh an undefeated regular season for this team if they continue to improve and stay away from the injury but because they're not the deepest team but i think an undefeated regular season is 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 uh, a possibility i think it is too and as much as we talked about the hillsborough game i think the sneaky game for them is going to be haven in my opinion is haven yes. Uh, this is a, as good a team as Haven has had in recent memory. They're, they're excited. I believe now they're two and one after that yep. week yep. one loss against uh, Heston. And um, I've talked to some people, our pastor, um, his grandson goes to Haven and, and, and the kids in that game, the Haven kids were disappointed in that Heston game. They, they kind of were nervous, a little bit intimidated because, you know, it was Heston. It was on the road and they felt like, they would really love another shot at Heston. And I think they learned from that. Um, they've won their last two games and that'll be an interesting one. When, when, when Trinity gets the Haven matchup, even before Hillsborough, I'll be excited when we get to talk about that one. Yeah, absolutely. And what I like about the, the Haven Wildcats is uh, week two, they put a pretty good thumping on Smoky Valley, 30 to nothing. And we saw what Smoky Valley did last week to, to Hillsborough. <laughs> Just beat Hillsborough. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, at first, you may have thought, uh, you know, Smokey's kind of struggled these last few years, but that 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 win is looking a little bit better now for the old Haven Wildcats. And you know, we're talking about district play, and boy, I tell you what, winning that district is uh, is going to be huge because uh, you look at the district, and boy, you got three and and0 Douglas, you got Garden Plain, you got Kingman. So winning that district and avoiding those three teams in the first round is is going to be huge, I think. So whoever comes out of that district is going to look pretty good. Uh, whoever finishes second, third, and fourth is going to have a heck of a time game, however, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, a lot of it just depends on the the district, the luck of the draw, and, and, and sometimes, a, sometimes a two seed is in just as good a shape as a one seed. Sometimes that's just almost a death sentence. You know, you got to go <laughs> somewhere like, you know, Smith Center or somewhere like that. You just You just fight for all your worth to stay out of that possibility, but um, that's kind of the 
that's districts for you. It's just the luck of the draw. So yep. those are our Ad Astra games, and we're going to move on to a couple others I circled. And I know you're, you've been itching to talk about um, uh, this team, and, and some people are going to wonder why we're talking about an 0-3 team playing a 3-0 and team as we're going to look at Newton at Hutchison. Hutchison checks into the rankings this week in Class 5A. They're ranked number 8. They're 3-0. and They're hosting Newton, who's 0-3. But the reason I picked this game is you look at the schedule of these two teams. Hutch has won all three of their games by one possession, eight points. Then the last two weeks, one point apiece in each of those games. Newton, on the other hand, has lost all three games by one possession, seven points, eight points, and seven points. Andover Central, Derby, and Mays, all very solid ball clubs. Derby is Derby again. They're right back up in the rankings number, I think, five this week. So this may be one of the closest on paper 0-3 versus <laughs> 3-0 and matchups that we ever talk about, Brad. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to say the least. Newton can really chuck it. I mean, their, their offense is – you know, kind of an air raid style. They love to throw it all over the place, and they're good. I mean, look at they scored 34, 31, 27 points so far. And going to the Andover Central game where they lost, I believe Andover Central had two defensive touchdowns in that game. So what this, I think, will come down to is, is you know, Hutchinson really showed something last week by beating May South, you know, a very vaunted offense that, much like Newton, can really air it out. And I think what this game will come down to is can Hutch hold onto the ball? Because Newton's defense seems to be a little suspect. They've given up 41, 43, and 34 points. So if Hutchinson holds on to that ball, they get that flexbone offense of Mike Vernon's working, they go on some 12, 13, 14 play drives, and they punch it in for six, I really like their chances because it's really going to force Newton to be just as perfect and score on almost every play. Um, and, you know, the, the, the flexbone is just so hard to defend. When it really gets going, we talked a little bit about this last week, Scott, that if you get the flex bone going three yards, five yards, four <laughs> yards, 10 yards. Yeah. I mean, when, once a flex bone really gets cooking, it's going to be very hard to stop. And on top of that, you know, Hutch has a, has a good quarterback this year in miles Thompson. So they, they, they do have the ability to throw it a, a little bit also. So definitely a very intriguing matchup, especially because Newton has won the last two meetings in very close games. Well, uh, this one could very well come down to Hutch believes, I mean, you, you I listen to you interview their coach um, when we're done with our broadcast every week, and he believes, those kids believe, if they're in a close game, they're going to win. And on the other side, you got to wonder about Newton. You're thinking, hey, we've been scoring, but they're just getting one more score. Are we ever going to be able to get over that hump? And sometimes you get into a close game, and it comes down to maybe what's between the ears and what's between the tackles. Yeah, and, you know, let's say the Hutch gets off to, a, you know, the team's straight touchdowns. Hutch gets the ball first, and they're up 14-7. And then all of a sudden, maybe let's say Newton throws an interception, and, you know, Hutch converts that into seven. Now it's 21-7. to And, you know, if you're Newton, are you thinking, oh, boy, mm-hmm. here we go again? You know, I mean, we, we, we just can't seem to get over that hump. So um, I really think that this, this is the kind of game I think it's going to come down to turnovers. I think whoever wins the turnover battle gets that extra possession is really going to be looking good yeah, in this that's game. A very intriguing matchup, as is this other one I picked out. This this one would be an intriguing matchup um, any year, any time of the year, as the number seven ranked team in Class 3A, Wichita Collegiate. They're 2-0. They are visiting 3-0 Heston, who is number nine in Class 3A. Last week, Heston beat Pratt 
24-15 on the road. Collegiate at home took care of Rose Hill, but in very close fashion, 34-31. to So this one is, uh, I guess we call it Blue Bloods of 3A matching up in Heston. Boy, so you got Heston playing Collegiate. You got Andale playing Halstead. Scott, they're all in the same district. <laughs> yeah. We haven't, we haven't gotten <laughs> so, Andale so, Halstead yet. And, and and that doesn't even count uh three and Clearwater who's in that district. Ooh. I mean well I mean good whew, I mean what 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 a district that is. I mean, yeah, you know, collegiate seems to be you know, they they occasionally will have, you know, a, a, kind of like a five and five kind of year, but boy, they seem to be right back at it this year. You know, they, they've really put some some hurting on Mulvin. They put a hurting on Wellington. Uh had a had a little bit of a struggle with Rose Hill, uh, winning that one in overtime. But uh I tell you what, you know, Heston kind of a tried and true you know they they're the kind of the uh the, you know the, the blue collar team you know get the dirt under the fingernails and and they they, they really I, I like their win last week over pratt 24 to 15 that was a very workmanlike game they had a nice win over hillsborough beat a very much um, improved haven team but this is going to be by far the toughest matchup for either team and boy i tell you what when you look at heston's schedule their next three weeks collegiate and halstead i mean wow <laughs> wow that's uh Wow, I can't. I, that that district is just there. There, one could make the argument that right now, I mean, the, the records aren't going to indicate it because they're going to start beating up on each other. But right now, you could argue right. that maybe all of those teams would be worthy of a playoff spot right now. Yeah, that's wow. And you know, the state, you know, can't predict that. But holy cow, that's uh, that's murderer's row for anybody in that district. <laughs> Well, Scott, I mean, we, let's 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 look how they, the the districts match up. You know, I mean, we we can talk about this because we're in the media. But whoever finishes fourth in that district, you know, and it could be anybody. It could be it could be Heston. It could be Collegiate. It could be Halsey. It could be Andale. It could be somebody like, like Clearwater. They they may have to go play Cheney in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... And that that that. And that district, that district's no picnic either. District eight, you know, with Cheney and Holcomb and Pratt. I mean, there's gonna be some loaded first round matchups in the class. Whoever makes it to, to Hutchinson for the class three A state championship is definitely gonna have earned. Yeah, it. that the, those are gonna be some dandy matchups, and I'm sure that Ad Astor will catch some of those games. Is our game this weekend is Andale at Halstead. Andale is the number two ranked team in class three A right now. They're three and zero. Halstead dropped out of the rankings coming in off their first loss. They are now 2-1. and one. Uh, Halstead lost at number two in Class 2A, Hoisington, 32-22. Andale destroyed Wellington at home, 63 to just seven points for Wellington. So Halstead gets number two in Class 2A. Now they get number two in Class 3A. That is as brutal as it gets for anybody anywhere in the state. Yeah, I'd like to know who some of these ADs are that are scheduling these games like this. I mean, that's just not fair to have Poisonton and Andale back to back, and then down the road you got Heston and Collegiate. But for, if you're uh, if you're Halstead, but you know that there's that, that that was a good performance, I think, by Halstead going on the road, taking on Ho- a, a very good Poisonton team. It's one of those games I think that they were never quite all the way in, but they were never out of it either. You know, they'd be down by six, and they'd be down by twelve, then they'd be back down by six or so. So they were kind of in it the entire way. I don't think they ever really had a chance to ever tie or go ahead or anything like that. But, uh, boy, you look at Andale, and my goodness, they have just been putting the hurting on teams. You know, 184-17, to 17, they've outscored their three opponents so far. 
And it's one of those offenses, you know, that they can't throw it. But, boy, once if they get that running game going, it's virtually unstoppable. It could be a really fast game on Friday night because yes. Halstead is another team that uh, they've got a lot of games in the past. I've done a couple of their games where the two-point conversion was the only time they ever threw the ball. I mean, they want to – and, you know, a formula, if you have the personnel to do it, uh, not a bad formula against Andale if you can control the clock, move the chains, and not let Andale do the same thing to you, which is, I mean, this is going to be uh, the irresistible first force against the irresistible force because both teams want to do the same thing, eat the clock, move the ball on the ground, and wear out their opponent. And if Halstead can can do that early on and get this into the second half you know, at a one-score game or something to that effect, um, they'll have a chance. But, boy, I, I don't see it. I just – I think Andale is just, just as good or maybe even better than they were last year when they won the state championship. And it's, right. it's going to be really tough for Halstead, I think, to stay in this one deep into the game. Yeah, and te- teams like Halstead and Andale, they're not really built to come from behind. And when I say not built to come from behind, I'm talking – you know, down by three mm-hmm. scores, you know, in the second half. I mean, if uh, Halstead falls behind 14 nothing in the first quarter, the game is obviously far from over. But if you get into the third quarter and you're down, you know, 28-7, to seven, if you're either team, it's going to be very difficult to come back because they're, they're just not built for that. Yeah, that'll be – it'll be an interesting one. I hope uh, Halstead can keep that close and we have a fantastic finish there. Again, that's the Kicks 106 game on Friday night as we venture into what we hope will be uh, the second game of the season for the Sterling Warriors this coming Saturday. Uh, Last Saturday, their game postponed. They were supposed to travel to Ottawa last week. That game has now been moved to the first Saturday in November. At least that's the scheduling uh, I'm seeing right now as Sterling a couple weekends ago lost their first game at home to McPherson 58-40. to they host Bethel. Of course, we don't have rankings um, for the NAI because some conference is not playing. I believe they were 24 in the preseason and in the final ranking last spring. Uh, Bethel right. is 2-0. and uh, Their opening week, they won 34-24 at home versus Avila. Then they played that same Bulldog team the Warriors lost to. They beat him 55-21, to 21, but, Brad, that game was not even near that close. When the fourth quarter started, it was 48 to nothing. Bethel had the lead, and you, you alluded to the veer. That is exactly what Bethel does. They, they run that veer. They ran the ball 71 times against <laughs> McPherson for 427 yards. They had six running backs, including their quarterback, and you'll know this name, Zach Esau. Uh, Yep. That were over, that had 49 more rushing yards or more. They had six guys do that. They they dominated time of possession, 41 to 19. They ran 34 more plays. And for the second straight game, this may be even more impressive than that offense. Their defense has allowed 27 rushing yards to both Avila and McPherson. Mack ran it 13 times for 27 yards. It's it, it's just wow. amazing. This was my preseason pick, this Bethel team, to win the conference, and they are on a roll. i tell you what, uh, you know, Scott, I'm kind of an old-school guy. I, you know, I love watching, you know, 
aerial attacks. I love watching Patrick Mahomes play football. We all love watching the gunslinging quarterbacks. But, man, there is just something about seeing an unstoppable running attack. Like, you know, I think about those, like how good Navy was last year and how, how great that they were, uh, you know, watching Army sometimes. You know, they always seem to lead the nation in, in mm-hmm. rushing. One of the greatest games I ever covered for Hutchinson Community College one year is when they slaughtered a Coffeyville, I think, like 45 to 7. They had three guys rush over for over 100 yards that night. Uh, it was just incredible. When, when Hutch High beat Topeka 64 to 46 in the first round of the 2014 playoffs, they didn't throw the ball once. They had over 600 yards of offense all on the ground. And boy, I, I call me old school, Scott, but I just love seeing a well oiled machine offense that runs the ball well zach esau he's thrown a total of nine passes for bethel through two games uh, their leading receiver has three receptions they're all touchdowns and he's averaging 43 yards per reception so i mean it's just they pound they pound they pound your corners your safeties start getting closer getting closer then they release that receiver and they 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 kill you big time over the top they don't do it a lot but they just suck you into that. And, you know, we talked a lot about last week, Sterling secondary struggling so much in the first game of the season against McPherson. Um, Now their secondary is going to really have to be so disciplined. We're talking about four, four freshmen. We hope we'll make a big stride this week, but they do have to come up. I mean, to play the veer, you've got to have that corner safety come up because they're the one that is responsible for the pitch man. Right. And you have to be so defensive uh, uh, sound uh, with assignments. I mean, everyone against, when you play a, a, a team like that, you know, everyone's got their assignments on defense. And the problem is Scott is you just don't see it that often. It's mm-hmm. so hard to prepare for. Isn't yeah, it? It, it is. I mean, this is the one team in the, the KCAC that runs it. Uh, and pardon me, I forget their coach came from the high school ranks. He brought the veer. People were wondering, um, how it was going to work and um, this team's got I think they have 19 of 21 starters back from last year all 11 on offense nine on defense so that's why they were picked so highly to maybe win the conference this year and then you know, they're off to this I believe their fullback last year he's not he averaged over nine yards a carry last year uh, wow. and he's off to a great start <laughs> Chance Scurry is his name and the first thing to, to a, stop the veer, you've got to you've got to stop the fullback. If you establish the fullback up the middle for even four or five yards of carry, that opens up the pitch. That opens up the quarterback. You know, keeping it around the end. But as we mentioned, as much as Sterling needs their secondary to come up and run support, they cannot let those over the top passes happen because if if you allow that and the veer to get going for Bethel, they're they're going to be pretty much unstoppable. Did you say nine yards of carry? Last fullback? year he averaged nine yards of carry, yes. That's some, that's some Ben Heaney stuff right there when he played at Hutch High. I mean, goodness. And, he, and of course, Ben was a fullback. So, well, I, I'll tell you what, I, that, if, I, if I wasn't doing the – if my weekend wasn't already packed, I, that, that, would, that would be something to go over and watch. Yeah, it'll be the a night game, our last scheduled night game, at least right now at 6 o'clock and – and, you know, the good thing is Sterling did score 40 points in their first game with um, a new quarterback, Ethan Richardson. He played he played pretty well, missed a few throws, made some good throws. He ran for 50 yards, but the onus on that offense is to keep the football. Uh, they have got to move the football. Even if they don't score, 
uh, a three and out or even just um, running six plays, you've got to control some drives and get some points up there and not let Bethel have the ball start wearing you down and go on those 12, 14 play drives that the, the veer is just perfect for. I, I think Sterling's capable of that, but we talked about how good this defense is and um, boy, I'd hate to have to see Ethan go back and throw it 50 times. Um, <laughs> they've got to get some semblance of a running game going um, to keep that Bethel defense all uh, honest. It, it, it will be tough. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see how they, respond after week one and getting um you know basically a bye with not playing this last week uh, so two weeks probably a week and a half to prepare for Bethel and we'll see if it pays off yeah it's not like it's gonna be a lot of fun for you Scott <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited it, it we'll see how it works out I'm, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic to see if maybe they maybe they can pull the <laughs> pull the upset what I am not cautiously optimistic about is if the game happens KU winning at Baylor this weekend um, I have not seen any reports to the contrary that they are not playing at this point as of when we're recording this uh, Baylor of course didn't play last weekend they were supposed to play Houston and that game was I don't believe they're even calling it postponed I believe it was canceled just will not happen yeah um, so will Baylor meet the threshold um, of having enough players at those positions available to play on Saturday. And if they do, what do you expect out of KU at Baylor? <laughs> I expect KU to show up yeah. at least. Uh, I don't know if they'll play anyway. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, you know the, 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 the eternal optimist in me, you know, I've seen enough KU football the last decade. Sadly to say, I have seen enough of it. Where they, they, they always seem to have a game or two well, they just kind of jump out and surprise you a little bit. I remember, I think it was two years ago, where they went down to, maybe three years ago, where they went down to Oklahoma, and Puka Williams just put on a show, and, and I think it was maybe a 10-point game, 50-40 to 40 or something like that, and it just made no sense that Kansas was even in that game, let alone someone, you know, like Puka Williams, a great running back, almost went for 300 mm-hmm. yards, but yeah, I, I just don't see a Scott. You know, Baylor was such a good team last year. Um, I'm sure that they're going to be eager to play this one. Now, Kansas, they did have a regular bye last week, but they just showed me nothing against Coastal <laughs> Carolina that made me think that that, that may, would make me think that they have any chance of maybe winning more than one conference yeah, game. I don't see the Boston College thing happening again, you know, after they lost to Coastal Carolina last year. You know, they went and played, I right. believe that was a Friday night game, TV, and yes. they went to Boston College who I believe was ranked at the time and destroyed them, which was nobody yeah. saw that coming. And I don't expect that. I can always hope for that, you know, deep inside of me, you wonder if Les miles can with two weeks to get ready after that performance. I'm sure they've had some inspired practices after that first game performance, but I, I'm like you, I, I, I don't see in this one being close, especially you get deeper into the second half. Yeah, and let's 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 put it this way: K State's got a pretty tough game going to Norman and playing the Sooners this weekend. I don't think uh, do I expect Oklahoma to win? Yes, but I I don't think anybody would be that surprised if if K State played with or even really beat Oklahoma. We would just be just shocked beyond shocked if Kansas went down to to, to Waco and beat Baylor. Yeah, I, we're in definite agreement on KU at Baylor. I just hope the game is able to take place. That'd be on 94-7 on Saturday. 
Well, we're to the world champion Chiefs, and if you saw their game... Feels good to say that. <laughs> it does feel good to say that, and despite all their efforts, they still managed to win this past Sunday. It was a, it was an ugly game. I guess I will call, call it that for the Chiefs. I, I was able to uh, watch every snap of that game, and the, the first thing, that impression I came away with, which was about the opposite impression of the opener against Houston was that they got beat up up front, both sides of the football. Yeah. I mean, they, they could not stop the charger run. They, they could not get their running game going. And you got somebody you're going to pay somewhere in the neighborhood of $500 million. They could not protect Pat Mahomes for most of that game. You saw him late in the game, make some nice runs for first downs, but he was under a lot of duress. And then, and then the Chiefs making mistake after mistake. Uh, you know, even on that final drive of regulation, I, I thought the whole time they're going to mm-hmm. win this in regulation. But two holding calls later, they they didn't have enough time. And a yeah. false start. And a yeah, false start. You know, and then they had to kick kick the field goal. You know, you get into to overtime. And uh, Harrison Butker's a stud. I mean, he goes out there, he drills the fifty three yard. No false start. Okay. I've already hit a 58 yard earlier in the game. And remind me to come back to this. They've got to change this timeout rule on field goals. Right. Um, you know, they call the, the last Agreed. second timeout, right? When the ball snapped, he boots it through. I, I throw my water bottle up in the air. I look at my wife. Can he do this three times? <laughs> and he does. He drills you it. See- and that thing would have been good from 68. I mean, that thing, it was, it was amazing to watch him do that, but Overall, I was I was a little concerned about that performance, especially considering they're going to go play at Baltimore on Monday Night Football this next week. Yeah, I think first of all, I think uh, I I liked what I saw from the Chargers defensively, Scott. I mean, that that's that's a legitimate defense. I think the Chargers and actually the AFC West as a whole, I think, is going to be pretty good this year. Maybe not Denver. But the Raiders have shown some stuff, and I think the Chargers, the Chargers probably aren't good enough offensively to 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 win some. I mean, I, I just remember thinking going into, going into overtime, how the Chargers only scored twenty points in this game. It feels like they've completely dominated yeah. it. And that I think that was disturbing because at least the, correct me if I'm wrong. Last time I checked, Patrick Mahomes can't score when he's standing on the sideline. <laughs> right. You know, and, and the time of <laughs> well, if anybody, if anybody could, yeah. Been, I mean, the time of possession was heavily in favor of the the chargers uh it was just i guess that's the bad thing i guess in the end the defense did still just allow 20 points but when you have to be out there that long and then the offense has limited possessions i mean i think that possession when they tied the game with a field goal that may have only been their third or fourth possession of the second half you know that's as few possessions as they had in that game Right, right. But, uh, you know, the encouraging thing, though, was they, that they really were outplayed almost the entire game and still somehow beat a, a, a quality team. Probably not a playoff team, but t- probably a team that's going to finish, you know, 8-8, eight and 7-9, eight, and 9-7. But they're, that's, they're San Diego. I can't believe I just got, almost called yeah. them San Diego. The Chargers, are they're, they're still a decent team. And uh, the thing that uh, really stuck out to me about the Chiefs' offense in that game was – or really was that, you know, Patrick Mahomes – for the sixth straight game, the Chiefs fell behind by double digits and yeah. won. And that's an NFL record. 
So Pat Mahomes is setting NFL records, you know, that you would think that Joe Montana would own. And it, I, it just doesn't make sense. But when you have a player like Patrick Mahomes, you know, the arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, you're always going to have a chance. And now, frankly, if you got someone like Harrison Butker that where you can don't even need to get to the 30 yard line, you're feeling good when you cross midfield. Almost. Yeah. And then when I pointed out to my wife, it's like, boy, he misses this. The Chargers get the ball at the 48 with what a minute and a yep. half plus. And, yep. you know, you would have felt like if he missed that, they were probably going to lose by a field goal because the Chargers just yep. wouldn't have had that far to go. But I have always heard uh, more than one person say that the sign of a good or possibly great team is when you can win when you do not play your A game or maybe in this case, maybe not even your B game. And that was encouraging. That <laughs> Obviously, they did not play very well, and they still found a way to get that win, which brings up the road trip to Baltimore for Monday night football. And rarely would I say this about the third game in any NFL season. This is a monster game for the chiefs for the fact of the way the playoffs have changed this year. When they added a team, they took away a buy. So only the top seed gets a buy. And you have to think that, the winner of this game, who's going to have that head-to-head win, just took a giant step forward in that race for the number one seed. And we're talking just a week three game, but, I, you know, I, that's the way I feel about this one. Yeah, I, I agree, Scott. I mean, these are probably the two best teams in the AFC. You know, we'll wait to see if that's how it shakes out come postseason play. But I do believe these are the two best teams in the AFC. They probably got the two best players in the AFC with Lamar Jackson maybe the two best players in the NFL with Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. You got the always vaunted great defense for Baltimore. And, you know, it's, it's, this could be this decades Manning Brady showdown. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, Lamar Jackson would love to do is to find, get one over Patrick Mahomes because he, he has not beaten Mahomes yet. And at some point, you know, let's say the chiefs go out and win this on Monday night football. At some point, it's probably going to start creeping into Lamar Jackson's head. How do I beat this guy? How do I beat these Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, because we didn't. We thought that was one we were going to see in the playoffs last year. This matchup in right. this stadium, and it just didn't happen because of somebody called the Tennessee Titans uh, last <laughs> season. Yeah, this is this is a. You may be right. We may be talking about these two quarterbacks for a long time now. Deshaun Watson's turning this podcast off right now, but. Uh, and you got to, I think you got to throw him in there. I mean, he, he and Lamar are different, different type quarterbacks. They do some of the same things, but yeah. What's, what's not to like about this game on, on Monday night. It, 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 it's got championship feel to it. And again, we're talking just week three. I love it. It'd be nice if we could have a sold out crowd there watching it, but you know what? It, it, it's better than, than the alternative of not getting to watch it. At Absolutely. All. Well, we get to our point of our final thoughts for our podcast, and I'm going to start with uh, another losing streak was broken in the high school ranks this last week. It was the St. John Tigers, uh, a game that we had on the 94-7 against Fairfield. Uh, St. John broke out of a 22-game losing streak. I believe that was come from behind victory 28-24 over the Fairfield Falcons. So uh, congratulations to St. John. That is over two-plus seasons' worth of losses now erased. Yeah, how about that? That's uh, something else. And, 
you know, I, I don't really have anything like that to add, but I do want to say, Scott, that we're seeing now that we're into week four of the high school season, uh, we're starting to see a little bit more in the way of COVID-related, you know, concerns, some postponements. You know, Derby had a couple positive cases, although they're planning on playing Friday. Abilene's game, or uh, Abilene had to pull out of their game with Hayes. And I just want to remind folks to please adhere to the local guidelines when you go to these games. You know, please mask up. Please socially distance. Uh, I can't tell you how much fun I have going to high school football games and, you know, being able to call these games on the radio. And if you're not able to go, I hope you're enjoying Scott and me talking to you over the airways. But, folks, please, no matter what you think about the masks, do your part, because I really want to see this season through. I want to see us get into November. I want to see state championship Saturday. And it just this is kind of the first week where I'm starting to see a few more teams pop up than maybe I was expecting and not playing. So let's 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 stay smart. Do your part, wear your mask, socially distant. And if you can't be there, that's fine because there's a lot of outlets where you can watch or listen to the games. Yeah, uh, do the same thing we do on this podcast. We agree from the very get-go, we're leaving our um, our personal thoughts, our political thoughts, we're leaving those behind for this podcast. And please do that when you go out to a game, whether you agree with all of the protocols, disagree, please leave that at home. Like Brad said, just you know, wear your mask distance um adhere to that if you it's for the best interest of the kids and everybody involved that you do that and we want to see um state championships raised in the schools in november and that's the only way to do it so yeah please adhere to that and also there was some uh, i think you texted me that our podcasts uh not only now on anchor and spotify but is also in a new location available for our listening audience yeah google podcast is it's now available on google podcast i've got a couple other ones uh where it's available at that i hadn't uh, even heard of i'll make sure i write those some of these uh, down and give you kind of the full list next week but i am actually getting emails probably every other day saying hey your podcast is now available on this uh, location and that location so but i know two of the ones that they are available on right now our Spotify and Google Podcasts, and hopefully here pretty quickly, Apple Podcasts Excellent. as well. So hopefully by this time we, we record our next one, I'll have a comprehensive list where uh, you can go to several different places to listen to the podcast. That's excellent. Again, we'll run down our games for you. Central Plains at Chase on 94.7. Bueller at El Dorado on 95.9. Hutch Trinity at Lions on 100.3. Our game, Andale at Halstead on Kicks Country 106.1. On the Ad Astra stream, it'll be Burton at Cunningham. So, again, uh, great to always talk sports with Brad Hallier. And for tonight's View from the Press Box, this is Scott Hogan. God bless. We'll see you at the games.